American 11. Are you trying to call? The cop is not answering their phone. Our number one has been stabbed, and our five has been stabbed. I am going to call from Washington. I am in a situation with American 11, a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Father, are you ready?
That was uh, 19 years ago this morning. Uh, still emotional to watch after, you know, after all this time. Uh, I've got Craig Bennett, Jack uh, Lancaster in the studio with me. Guys, I thought maybe to start the show off, uh, obviously, uh, you know, five emotional minutes there uh, of audio from uh, most of them from dispatchers and, and people, you know, uh, uh, dealing with the phone calls and things like that uh, that happened on that fateful morning. But uh, I wonder if you guys don't mind, maybe give us a minute or so of... Uh, of uh, what you went through that morning. Craig, you want to start us off? Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of a funny story because I wasn't doing radio then, but I, I always listened to KDXU. I was working for a food distributor, hmm. and all my customers were in Cedar. And so I'm on my way to Cedar, but you lose KDXU as you're round into Cedar. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening. I mean, I'm like glued to the radio, and I lost the signal, so I flipped it over to 590. And they hadn't picked up the feed yet. Ooh. And now I now I know those guys really well. I mean, best friends. Right. But I called Tim. Yeah, I didn't even know Tim, man. Tim Nesmith, yeah. Yeah, I said, I know you're in Cedar City, but don't you have this on? And he said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm trying to get a feed so I can figure this out, but... But then they got it on. But but it was, yeah, all the customers closed. Wow. So. Wow. Just a vivid morning. Uh, yeah. Again, we, you know, we talk about moments in your lifetime that you will never forget. Jack, I know for you it was a little bit different, but uh, certainly yeah. the feeling no less intense. Yeah, I was on vacation uh, quite a ways away in the, in the Midwest in Illinois and uh, slept in that morning, got up, made, made breakfast, didn't turn the TV on. Uh, and turned the TV on, I think, around 11 a.m., and by that time, everything had already happened. Uh, even President Bush had already said his initial speech. Mm-hmm. But it was just the whole idea of trying to process what was going on, being so far away from home. Uh, fortunately, I drove out there, so I didn't have to worry about taking a flight back. And uh, uh, But the feeling of not knowing what was next was the, the you know, first the incomprehensibleness of, of what was going on. Right. Just, you know, nothing could compare. I mean, I guess the only thing to compare would be maybe if you lived through the uh, Pearl Harbor attack or something like that. Mm. But it was, it was just the, the feeling of, I guess this is, this, this is changing us forever. And uh, we don't even know, mm. is St. Louis going to get hit? Chicago, the, 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 right. the Sears Tower. Yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking yeah, too. I Los Angeles, you know, all Who's those next? cities. Yeah, what's next? And is it going to be in the next day? Is it going to be I, six months? You know, we never even heard of Al Qaeda back then. Oh no. Yeah. But when I when I think about the emotions that that were going on, you know, a lot of times if there's a tragedy and, and it's far away for us, Utah, it's I mean, it's a long that was a long ways away, but there's a feeling of of helplessness. Like, what can I do? I don't really remember feeling that this time. I just remember feeling an extreme sadness. Uh, for the tragedy that, that, that happened. And I think later on I felt a little helpless. But now, okay, now I want to help. I want to do something. But I remember at the time it, it was actually maybe the, the, the word stunning or shocking was yeah. more, was stronger than any other feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of turns into anger. 
right? Then I oh, got yeah. <laughs> right. mad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, driving home uh, three days after that, yeah, every overpass had flags on it. Oh, awesome! You know, all the way across the country. You guys, uh, the thing I, I guess that, and obviously, very, very important that we remember this day and what happened. Uh, I, right now, the country's a little bit divided. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of really raw feelings. And there's racial tension. Of course, COVID-19 has intensified all that. Uh, I guess, what, what can we do to get some of that? I mean, it was a terrible tragedy, and we don't want another one of those. But what can we do to get some of that feeling of unity back? Because for a time there, on September 12th and, and for months afterwards, the, the country was united as one. Well, if you listen to that, I always listen to that song that Alan Jackson wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And, you know, people gave blood. There really wasn't a need to because nobody survived those towers. Yeah, I mean, right. we didn't know that. We didn't know that at the yeah. time. But, you know, uh, I think people realized how fragile our little home and civilization were not as protected as we thought we were. People can hijack planes and turn them into, you know, horrible weapons. Yeah. yeah. And just the world changed, you know. It did. Yeah. yeah. Craig, any thoughts? I just ditto. I just echo what Jack said. I mean, one one of the things maybe people don't remember or realize Craig is a pilot, and so Craig had to. You know, I don't know that you knew any of the pilots that died in that situation, but you could uh, certainly relate to what oh, yeah. had happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, at first I thought, oh, it's got to be an accident. It's got to be a small plane that. Just, that's, that's kind of what we all thought. Yeah, but yeah. not a Boeing seven fifty seven. I mean, come yeah. on. Well, you know, the first plane hits, and, and you think yeah. it's an accident. Right. And the second plane hits. And That's you know, not an accident. Now you know. Now you know. It's we were fortunate enough last terror. year to have Heather Penny on, who was yeah. one of the uh, F-16 pilots that uh, her, her they, weren't, they were not armed. They're, the planes that they had were not armed. And so her, her job, had that plane, that US-93, not gone down in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, her job would have been to ram the plane and make sure it did go down before it reached its target. Yeah, there were target. two of them, wow. and yeah. they were together, two jets. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know, it was one of the officers, but he was to take out the cockpit. And she had the tail. She had the tail. Yeah. Oh, wow. And she was perfectly willing to do that, which says something about her, but also about what was at stake there as well. And we saw it wasn't necessary because there were other people willing to do some things, uh, those, those people that, that – Charged the cockpit on US-93, mm-hmm. uh, true heroes. And yeah. you were talking a little bit, Jack, about, well, they, they didn't have anything to lose. Well, they did, kind of. I mean, it was, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a big moment, and you have to have a lot of guts to do what they did. I, I think if you realize the pilots are dead, hmm. uh, so you're getting phone calls. I think back in those days they had air, phones on the airplanes where you mm-hmm. could make a yeah, landline did. call. Yeah. Uh, and they realized, you know, Three airplanes have already, you know, two in the Trade Center, one in the Pentagon, and we're hijacked. So yeah. and we've turned around and we're headed back to, you know, uh, you've got nothing to lose. You're going to die anyway. Just try and save some lives. I, yeah. I, that's the only thing I can imagine what, what could have happened. And, and I, you know, for a lot of those guys, you know, the decision was fairly easy to make. It's just doing it. Yeah, you know? just doing it. Are you going to be able to land this plane if you ever get control back? Ooh. How's that? But yeah. you know they and were the, the odds were pretty they were low. they were yeah, heroes very low. and and yeah. uh, they were very 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 uh, very much so. Guys, thank you so much for coming sure. on and sharing your, your yeah. thoughts about it. And I know, but I hope that everybody's talking about this all day long now. Well, you know, I'll, can I say something? Sure. My daughter and I had a really long conversation about this last night. She's seventeen, 
And she said a firefighter came into her classroom yesterday, and he was one of the first responders at uh, at World Trade in New York City. Wow. And he told his story. And she said something that was really interesting. She says, there was actually two people, two kids in my class that never heard of, of the terrorist attacks on September 11th, oh, and she oh couldn't gosh. believe it. Wow. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but that's their parents' fault. But yeah. she was just like, you know, uh, 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 she goes, Dad, what was it like? Because, you know, she hadn't even been born yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had that talk, you know. So Good for cool. you. Way to go, Dad. Cool. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, again, I, you know, a great point there. Uh, I have two daughters that were not born yet when when the terrorist attacks took place on uh, September 11, 2001. Uh, I have talked to them about it, and uh, hopefully they have questions that I've been able to answer. I'm sure there are questions I, I you know, they haven't even posed to me yet. But uh, let's make sure parents, grandparents, that young people understand what happened to this country 19 years ago today. And uh, and let us, uh, as it said, you know, as as President Bush said, let us never forget. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Seth, hopefully you can contribute to our conversation here. What's on your mind, Seth? Uh, Nineteen years ago, I left the house at about six o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a special inspector. Where were you, by the way? Pardon me. Where were you? In Hurricane. Hurricane. Okay. Okay, and of course I'm listening to KDXU as I always do, mm-hmm. and and I think it was uh, Mike and uh, Brian, probably Brian, yeah, yeah, who were on the radio, and I began to get information sparse at first, and uh, as I pulled up on the job, there was some information, and um, there were few people, the concrete crew, the people that were going to Pennsylvania, 
and they uh, nearly were a victim of uh, Shanksville. Wow, they were close, huh? And they they were within distance, and of course they didn't know what was happening. Right. Okay, mm. and so um, I had first, you know, lots of concern about their well-being. I knew they were traveling, and. Uh, uh, from one side of the state to the other, and they just happened to be near Shanksville when it happened. Of course, they didn't see, feel, or hear, or know anything about the tragedy that happened. Wow, oh, wow. And there's still lots of questions. Where did that entire airplane disappear to with the wreckage and everything that was associated with it? Um, and uh, how did this all happen? And... Uh, uh, this is the stuff at the Pentagon. Um, there weren't a lot of pieces of plane and people and suitcases and all that. And so there's lots of anomalies associated with it. And um, unless somebody really wants to uncover it, um, I think we should go on. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. In fact, I like to honestly, and I've said this on the show before, uh, it's easy to point out problems. It's harder to point out, to, to figure out solutions to those problems. So I'm with you, Seth. I think we need to, to move on. I think to remember and, and remember those poignant feelings with, that we had. But now how can we go on? We're in a country right now, Seth, that is divided. Uh, and, and, I mean, really, in more ways than one. And uh, I'd really like to address you know, some of the ways we can fix that. Well, it's uh, somehow we've got to come up with a, a set of rules, and, and I fall back on the Constitution and, and how our elected officials and how we run our government and states of affairs uh, according to the rule book. And I think there wouldn't be need for parties and arguments and, and uh, just outright uh, evil stuff going on because we can't pay attention to the rule book. Oh, what are the rules? What are the proper roles of government? And let's find a way to prevent these kinds of things from happening. Yeah, a lot of people say, oh, that Constitution is so old it doesn't apply anymore. We need to update it and change it. And uh, Yes, uh, and lots of people would like to do that. Yeah. But you look at the cities burning down, and you look at the riots, and you look at what's going on with just about everything, and uh, nobody seems to understand what the rules are. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's written there, you know, it, it, it's the envy of the world is our method and our Constitution where we can look in our book and see if it's being done properly. Yeah, and, and the problem is a lot of people go, wow, that, that, that book is out of date and, and we don't need it anymore, and, that, and that's tough. Exactly. That's tough. All right. Uh, well, Seth, I need to let you go. i got to get a weather break in. We've got a lot of other people trying to call in, to, but I appreciate you coming on the show today. Good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. It is 928. This is News Radio 949-890-KDXU. Again, uh, we're commemorating 9-11-2001. I would love to... Uh, I would love to hear your experience. Maybe you have a, a, a poignant moment. I will tell you mine before we go to weather. Uh, I was I was uh, writing sports, and I was up uh, the Monday. This happened on a Tuesday morning. I was up the Monday night before probably till 2, 1 or 2 in the morning, maybe 3. And uh, my wife, uh, who's always so good about getting to work, she was at work, and, and uh, she called me about, I want to say it was eight ish 
And I was asleep. I, you know, I'm about five, six hours into my sleep, so I, I was not ready to get up. And I remember my cell phone ringing by my bed, and uh, my wife called, and, and I looked, I grabbed it, and I looked at the caller ID, and, and, it, and it said it was her work, or maybe it was her cell, I don't remember. But I just remember thinking, why in the world would my wife be calling me at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, knowing, as she did, that I was up very late working? And so she called me and she, I said, I said, Oh, you know, how you doing when you're, you're awake, but you're trying to pretend like you, I mean, you're asleep, but you're pretending like you were awake. And, and she's like, Hey honey, have you heard about all this stuff that's going on in New York? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And, and, and I, at the time before she revealed what was going on, I was like, New York, who cares about New York? I live in Utah. That's all, New York's a long ways away. Was it Giuliani, uh, you know, outlawing beverages or I, I, I didn't, I didn't really care. And then she said, oh yeah, a, a, an airplane crashed into one of the twin towers. And like Craig, I was thinking, oh, so it must've been a small plane, got off course, tried to get cute and split the buildings and clipped one of them, something like that. And I thought maybe one person or two people had died from it. And, but that was enough motivation for me when she said that, like, all right, I'll flick on the TV. She says, yeah, it's all over the television. I flicked on the TV. So she called me, and I don't know the exact time, but I do know it was before the second plane hit. And so I'm sitting there watching television, and uh, the second plane hits. And at that point, again, it was driven home. This was no accident. And then, of course, everything that, that unfolded over the next little while the pentagon plane crash and then uh, eventually the crash in in pennsylvania uh the people dying the towers coming down i don't think anybody saw that one coming uh just uh, just stunning and it it changed it changed a lot of us forever it it changed it it made a lot of us a lot more cynical about the world and i think jack lancaster said a minute ago it made us feel like we're not as insulated and invulnerable as we think we are here in the United States. It was a little bit stunning. 931 on KDXU. I'd love to hear your story again. Give me a call here at 673-5890. After the weather break, we'll take your phone calls, and we'll talk about some of the other stuff going on in the world. It's Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. The 40 of Flight 93 did the most American of things. They took a vote, and then they acted. Let's roll. Those were the famous words as they rushed the uh, cockpit armed with, I don't know, uh, some cell phones, a, a, a coffee pot of hot water. And, of course, that Flight US 93 went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, before it could reach whatever target it was going to be. We think the White House or perhaps the Capitol building, uh, true heroes from Flight 93. All right. Uh, 673-5890 is the phone number here. The Andy Griffin Show. Today we're talking about 9-11. Some of the experiences that you had. Uh, maybe you've got a, a little bit of a unique experience or maybe a particularly poignant emotional experience uh, with uh, 9-11-2001. Love to hear from you today. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy. What's up? How are you this morning? I'm doing okay. What's on your mind? Good. The thing that I remember most about 9-11. Mm-hmm is that up until um, uh, Donald Trump, with George W. Bush, we probably had the most inept president that we ever had. Mm. And he just couldn't make up his mind what was going on, and he didn't know what to do. So, you know, 
and now we've had two Republican presidents in a row that are just completely inept, and I hope that this thing doesn't continue on. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious, do you... Uh... Do you really feel this way, or are you egging me? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure your motivation no, I here. You, I, you, I know you, really... you think that I'm egging you on all the time, but yeah. George Bush was inept as, as inept as anybody that's ever sat in the White House, and this guy now, you know, he's absolutely fumbled this virus thing, and he's fumbling on the riots that are going on, and I just hope we don't see four more years of it. That's all I've got to say. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to line two. Caller, you're on with Andy. What's up? Good morning. Morning. I can't believe I have to go on after that ignorant jackwad. I know. I, uh, I've, I've kind of given up on trying to argue with him. I figure I'll just I'll let you guys talk about <laughs> something a little more positive. I, that guy, I, I don't understand him. But go ahead. Well, this is the same guy that has been sanctimonious about military service, but yet uh, about his only claim to it is he says he volunteered for the draft. Yeah. And that's where I'm dropping it, because today is very personal to me mm-hmm. as a veteran, buddy boy. I, I, I served in Desert Storm. Okay, so today, every year, this is a reminder that they did not let us finish that war mm-hmm. when we were there in 91. Yeah. I got woke up after, like you, being up late, working a night shift, walking into a room and watching the second plane fly in to the building. And immediately it was, I knew what was going on, and it became very personal. Hmm. Wow. I, uh, and Go ahead. And like I said, as a veteran, a Middle East war veteran, I take this very personally. And ignorance like that, from that man is beyond sickening. Yeah, he, he, he. And I just, I don't even know. It's like you said, you, it, it's like trying to argue with a turnip. And <laughs> I actually think a turnip has more brain cells. But, uh, you know, talking about Bush being inept because he couldn't handle it, dude, you aren't paying attention to anything. The Secret Service and the military would not let Bush go back to Washington. That's right. I remember that. Exactly. They flew, so, they flew you, him around you, in an airplane and, and wouldn't even let him land. Yeah, exactly. So stop your propaganda, your ignorance. You're just, you're, you're a moron. You are a fool. And you know nothing. It, it's, it's weird. It's almost like he waited. You know, today's an emotional day for a lot of us. And, and I understand your emotion probably is even more poignant than most of us. But it's like he picked the moment. To, all right, everybody's kind of hurting today. Everybody's kind of remembering the sadness. I think I'll, I'll think I'll kick them. They're feeling down. I think I'll kick them. Well, this is what you get from somebody who claims tolerance, diversity, fairness, equality, and civility. Aren't those the classic bug, buzzwords of all these lefties? Yeah, definitely. So, how much of it do we see from them? Not, not much. In fact, that's, that's the weird thing about the Democratic Party, because they, I think there was some of that years ago, and, and, and it's gone. It's disappeared, especially the tolerance part. Oh, well, tolerance, as far as back as I can remember, when it comes to Democrats, well, leftists, Marxists and leftists. Tolerance is, you know, and when you see that tolerance bumper sticker on the back of a car, the chances are the person driving that car is tolerant with you as long as you are 100% on board with them. 
if you have any kind of a disagreement, uh, well, then you get what we just got from that last caller. So I, I'm going to put it out. To, I'm going to put the plea out to the man. You know, you, you run your mouth, and you get all sanctimonious about military service, but yet you won't even mention the branch you claim you served in. I will say I did eight years in the Marine Corps. I did three years in the local National Guard unit. Okay? I was with the 3rd Marine Division stationed in Okinawa, came back to the States, and spent the rest of my time with the 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, 1st Marine Division, Camp Pendleton, California. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your phone call. I, I, I didn't have to say what you said because I knew you would say it, and a great job. Thank you so much for calling in today and, and again for your service. All right. All right. Talk to you later. 941 on KDXU. Let's go to line three. Caller, you're on with Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Um, so I was, uh, I was in Platt, which is next to the airport of Kansas City, Missouri, when 9-11 happened. I was actually on my mission. Really? Yep. And, uh, yeah, we got grounded that, uh, all the missionaries had to come in and it was a crazy time because it's Kansas City airport. I mean, that's a pretty big hub. It's a big city. and It is, yeah. I, yeah, and I remember it was, uh crazy crazy time i remember ironically i actually was able to see the second plane crash in on the television our we at the time our apartment was next to another apartment that had a guy that in the morning time he would just leave his door open and he would watch the television he did this every morning he would watch television with this volume up and uh door open because you know it's hot and humid there and anyway we you know companion and i we we're doing our morning study, and then he said, "Hey, you guys, boys, might want to come check this out." <laughs> wow, wow! How long yeah. did they keep you locked down as a missionary? By the way, how long did you have to all go to the mission home, or did you? What happened with that? So, uh, it was a, a solid two-day lockdown, and the third day, uh, third day, we were only given half day. So technically, it was three days. Wow. And I remember this. Probably a lot of people do. The gas for gasoline to go get gas station, you know, was just you know, for us, my companion and I, we sat in the car a mile, literally over a mile away from the our nearest gas station. And it took us over an hour and 15 minutes because we saw the clock. We were sitting there for an hour and 15 minutes just to get to the gas station. Wow. And I then when we got to the gas station, by the time it was done, it was like an hour and 40 minutes to get, to go a mile and a half to get gas. And they're, you know, they said, fill up the tank. And once you fill up the tank, get it back down to the apartment and park it. And then, and then we looked, uh, looked uh, linked up with the zone leaders. But um, yeah. anyway, it just, it was a crazy time. And I remember that uh, a lot of people were much more receptive to, spiritual messages. I remember that American flags were being flown everywhere on people's cars. You know, they were sold out in stores, you know that. Really? All uh, the flags? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would never wish another 9-11, but I do remember 9-12. 9-12 and 9-13, yeah. America became more unified, more loving. People were hugging strangers. 
Yeah. And uh, I remember. So yeah. I wouldn't ever, I would never wish for another 9-11, but 9-12, the next day, American flags sold out. They're, they're everywhere. And the little petty stuff, the little stupid stuff was thrown, you know, cast aside. Yeah. And uh, so I, I hope that, I, I, I sadly I do. I worry about if we have forgotten. And I worry about young people that maybe didn't really get the gravity of the situation. They don't really, we went through this and they're going to say, well, I was four or five or six years old when it happened. I don't really, you know what I mean? Where were you when it happened? And I know for a good couple of generations of people that affected us, that unified us, I just worry about some of the younger generations that hopefully they'll, yeah. Yeah, anyway, me too. Thanks, thanks, so much. thanks for the call. Appreciate it. You know, I, I remember my kids coming home from elementary school at the time, uh, and and they had a million questions, and some of them were hard questions. Dad, why did this happen? Why why did they do this to people that had nothing to do with with them? And I mean, those, those were hard questions to answer. They really were. Uh, you know, why did this happen? Well. Uh, they hate America. Well, why, Dad? What What did we do to them? Well, they perceive that we bombed their countries, and and uh, they feel like that the only way to get us is to, because they can't, they're not strong enough to fight our military. Their only way to get us is to do cowardly acts like hijacked airplanes. And you know, the, these were questions that I like. Actually, maybe I can talk to my my oldest son now and and kind of get his feelings here in, in a minute. I don't know. He's actually he's working right now, so I probably won't get him on the air, but. I'm curious as to his feelings, uh, you know, coming out of that. If if we answered enough of his questions to, and, and the thing is, there were so many questions that us adults had, so there's no way we could have answered all the questions that the kids had, but uh, but, but we tried. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy this morning on 9-11 Memorial. How are you? Is that me? Yeah, that's you. Oh, hi. I was in Burlington, Vermont then, working. And, uh, of course, we got it right away. A, a pastor um, was at the hospital, and he said, come in, in the office, and we have TV there. There was about six of us or so from HR, and we saw the second one happening. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, in Burlington Airport, it's one of my favorites, uh, they have the home of the Green Mountain Boys, and they have two fighter jets there. And every day they would be on, and we, we could always hear them right away. Every, in Burlington, everything stopped when the jets went off. But that morning, we, we were seeing it on TV, and those jets just left and flew down to New York. And it was really – and I had two, three girlfriends coming from California, and because of the time difference, thank God none of them, you know, could get there. But that weekend, I had to go to, to, uh, to Maine on the coast, and I had to drive through um, New Hampshire – and I'll never forget this. It was getting dark. Mm-hmm. And in this small town, if you've driven around in New England, it's, you know, one little town after another. And they, it was so, I, I'll always cry about it because th- these people were out there with little candles and everything in this little town. And it was just amazing. But anyway, we never will forget. And I never will either. Okay. Thank you for listening yeah. to me. Yeah, thank you for the call. Definitely yeah. added to the program. I really appreciate that. Let's take one more call, and then I'm going to get this commercial break. Carl, caller, you're on with Andy. What's up? Hello. Hi. I'm on. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. 
Um, yeah, let's see. Um, where was I? I was in the front room looking at uh, the, the first building I saw, the first one, and then the kids got up and the wife was there and they were looking at it and they saying, how could this accident happen like this? And I said, look at the sky. It's perfectly clear. And then, the, you know, that's exactly when the other plane went into it. And, uh, you know, it's obviously it was a terror attack, which they still didn't, my kids and my wife still didn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, so as a veteran, I take, um, I'm not happy with that guy that called several calls ago. Yeah. Uh, I served in Vietnam, and they turned me into an x-ray technician, and so I had to fix people that were terribly wounded, and then I got called back in and served in the first Gulf War. And so I did it twice, and um, now here we are fighting the same people. We've always had these two oceans protecting us, but now they're here. You know, over there, it's so convenient to fight somebody over there on their property, but yeah. it's the ideology that we're fighting, and people need to remember that we did not ask for this fight, that it's here, and it's not going to stop, and every time a communist country, every time a country becomes communist, they immediately round up people like you and me and uh, put them in camps and, or flat out just kill them. And uh, 30, 30 million, maybe 50 million Americans have to die when these people take over, when Biden and these people take over. And people need to remember that. Yeah. That it's now time to, it's, you look at every single country that's been taken over. Look at what the Pol Pot did in uh, Cambodia. This it, is horror what they did. Yeah. And they kill everybody that thinks different. And we're way, we're way too close to that right now, aren't we? We're fighting them here. They're here now. Yeah. They're, they're communists, and everybody needs to wake up to the fact that you either stand and fight now or you die in a camp. And that's what's going to happen because it's happened since 1917 when they did it in Russia. So it's going to happen here if they, if they take over. Thank you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Really great to hear from you. Appreciate your service uh, for our country. And he's right. He's right. It's it's easy to point out the problems. Now we've got to figure out the solution. And uh, the solution is to not forget. The solution is to use the motivation of remembering what happened to do something about it. Got to get a commercial break in. Uh, let's see. Let's let's talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney's a specialty is customer service. First, Joe has been in Southern Utah for more than two and a half decades, serving the folks here in Southern Utah. Uh, his uh, he's a loan officer, but he'll he'll help you out with a, a refinance, a, a home loan, a home equity line, a reverse mortgage. He, he's got them all covered. And the best part about it is he keeps you informed every single step of the way. His name is Joe Shoney. His phone number is four three five five nine zero sixty three hundred. An incredible 4.92 out of 5 stars with 427 reviews online. Doesn't get much better than that, folks. Let's go right back to the phone lines here on the Andy Griffin Show. We're down to about five minutes left, and we want to get your, uh, as many of your calls as we can. Caller, you're on with Andy this morning. How are you doing? Hey, is that me? Yeah, that's you. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. Hey, uh, I'm a retired lieutenant at NYPD. Awesome. And uh, I'm, living, I'm living out here 14 years. And uh, 
I've been listening to that crank guy for uh, about as long, and uh, I shouldn't give him the time of day, but, you know, he's got a short memory. Uh, Clinton, they were going to hand over uh, Osama bin Laden to Clinton. I think it was the Saudis, and he didn't have you-know-what to take him. Yeah. So if he wants to talk about ineptness and, uh, you know, President Trump's done more for this country in three and a half years than any other politician. And uh, the other thing is uh, I have to, you know, Seth is a nice man. He's a veteran. I have to with him. If you lost a loved one, my son is a. Uh, you're, you're breaking up. I, I, we can't hear you. Can happened you? in Vegas and I lost my son. Yeah. I don't know how I would live anymore. And uh, these people once a year. They, uh, you know, they're able to say their names, and uh, and you, you got to give that to them. You know, you don't forget them. Uh, so I disagree with Seth on that. The third point I would like to make, well, yeah. uh, two more points. That Tunnel to Towers Fund, mm-hmm. okay, uh, the guy that runs that, uh, his son, his brother, his younger brother, he was heading home, I think, when the tower, when the planes hit. He, I think he was going through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. I'm not sure exactly what tunnel. And... Um, he turned around, okay, probably the traffic was bad. He put his uh, Scott pack on, and he ran to the towers. And that that organization raised more money for uh, veterans to build homes. The one that Rush Limbaugh sold those T-shirts for, of which I bought one. Yeah. And he raised about $4 million to have people have uh, homes and, um, and uh, get their mortgages paid. The last point I want to make is, uh, you know, you keep saying that uh, – we got to get together and wish we could come together. You can't come together with uh, politicians that hate the president more than they love their country and put their, their political gain ahead of our country. And as far as the demonstrators, you got anarchists out there that just want to bring down the country. They could care less. Okay. And the semi legitimate protesters, they were taught in our schools that the United States is bad it was founded unjustly, okay, and uh, it needs to be changed. Now, if you look at the world and what this country did, the, the, the world would never look the same if it wasn't for the United States with the world wars and everything they've done. So that's all I really got to say. You know, um, as far as my story, I was retired in 99. We lived on Long Island. For whatever, my wife worked in Manhattan in an advertising company, and for whatever reason that day, I don't even remember but she took off and i thank god for that and then the next day she went in and she said it was a ghost town and all you could do was smell the burning embers of those towers wow so that's all i really got to say to you and uh i I appreciate you taking my call and i love living out in southern utah the people are so great out here and i just hope if the riders ever come here you know, you you guys made a little bit of fun of those uh, people that showed up on that Saturday because they didn't have the right information and this and that. I take the opposite. I think a thousand people should have showed up there because I don't think our police force could handle uh, the rioters. It's a small police force. And if you saw a thousand of our great citizens of St. George and the surrounding areas, if those buses pulled up and saw that, I think the dance is over. OK, and I think those buses would get the heck out of here. So instead of making fun of those people that came, you should praise them, and there should have been a lot more. All right. And that's all i got to say, and thanks for your time. Thanks for the call today. Very very good, very uh, informative phone call. I, I really appreciate you calling in. 
I don't I don't know that we made fun of those people. At least I I didn't personally. I think that it was cool that they uh, showed up. I think a lot of them were armed. And uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, in America, especially in the western part of America here in, in, the, in Utah, in St. George, Utah, uh, they better not come and try and write here because I know something. Yeah, I'll even say it. There were people on hills with long rifles. And if BLM showed up and tried to ride and, and, and hurt people, well, it wouldn't have been good for them. That's all I can that's all I can say about that. But anyway, back to 9-11. We've got a last, last minute uh, left here on, on the program. And again, I just I, I want to thank everybody for uh, sharing their, their experiences. I hope that, uh, I mean, we'll never do justice to, to what happened. If you were old enough and you remember it and you remember where you were and what you were doing, you remember the raw emotion involved there. I think also, uh, you know, we, we, it is our duty, our responsibility to teach the young people Anybody that maybe not old enough to remember it or even weren't even born yet, like my daughters, it's our responsibility to make sure they understand how incredibly uh, important this day was. It does not appear that there's any kind of an effort up there yet. Now remember, oh my God. That looks like a second plane. That's just a plane going. That's 